Hello, welcome to episode 48 of the Wasting Time podcast. I'm Chris. I'm here with Nick. How are you doing, Nick? Hello, Chris. That sounded very um, jovial intro. You could, you're in good spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. The, like the the insane hot weather we've been having in London is over, so I'm happy about that. For now, yeah. Yeah, I've got like a midweek day off tomorrow, so this is like a mini Friday oh, nice. for me as well. So, so happy it's days. probably a combination of those things. Before before we get into today's guests, is there any any music news that you checked out? Any 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 new songs you've been into? Anything like that? I'm afraid not. I did I did listen to that Seaway song you sent me just because I you know just wanted to make sure I did at least a little bit of homework. Um, yeah. Well, apart apart from that, no. What do you think? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a, like a, it's, a, it's a quite a big track. You know. Yeah. I love the hook um, on it. It's and yeah. I like the balance of poppiness and you know and the rock i guess you know you know yeah well i'll be if that if that's from a forthcoming album i'll be curious to hear that based on that single big big vibe one more that i know you have listened to that new blink song which came out last week or the week before oh yeah yeah only the once yeah no just feels like they've just tried to chuck out a song like Uh, yeah I mean, Very quickly. always disappointing to speak negatively about them because, you know, obviously we're big fans. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's just like, oh, let's write a song. Let's try and make it sound like no effects or Pennywise as well. Mm. And yeah, mm. expect better from them at this point, really. Yeah. Although like lots of the fan base like, on Reddit and loving it. I think they just hear like, you know, it's double time drums and it's trying to be a bit skate punk. So they just automatically think, oh, this is good. But you know, you need more from it than that. Uh, right, okay, should we get into the guest? Yeah, I think I think we might as well. There's a lot lot to cover on this one. Um I think you actually introduce him on you know you know how we've tried to do that thing where we introduce the guest in the intro so we just go straight into it, but this time you introduce him because you call him a legend as as listeners will hear in a second. So oh, uh, I don't think we need to say too it much is. now, but it's Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. Huge band in our scene. It was an absolute honour to have him on the show. Anything you want to add to that, Nick? Nope. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, so we are joined by the legend that is Matt Pryor. How's it going, Matt? That was awkward. Legend? Come on, man. <laughs> I think that's fair. Everyone always feels uncomfortable when we say legend. I think the only other time I can think when we did it was with Frank Turner, and he, he felt <laughs> similarly uncomfortable. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's the... Uh, he and I share a... a uh, punk rock baggage of of being forcibly humble. Right. <laughs> is it? I, I was going to say it's Matt. You go by Matt um, as your stage name, but I assume it's Matthew. Does anyone still call you Matthew? Or uh, that... Only only on like legal documents, right? Okay, or like doctors' offices. Cool. So what what we I mean what we usually do with these things is kind of just do uh, it's a bit of a storyteller kind of walk through the ages, but. Um, Kind of looking at your career, we were we were you know talking and thinking there's a sh- there's a shitload to go through. Like mm. how do we how do where do we start and like you know time is time is of the essence. So uh, I, gu- I guess I mean what where are things for you at the moment? Kind of kind of going to current times. I mean how's how's things looking at the moment for you? Yeah, how's lockdown in Kansas mm. and, and and that kind of thing? Well, is. we had a we just had a stretch of. Like usually around this time, it's like un, uh, just unbearably hot and humid. 
mm, in the mid yeah. in the Midwest in the summer. Yeah. But this last week we had a bit of a bit of a cold snap, and so it was like actually really pleasant out. So I spent oh, a lot nice. of time nice. outside and starting to heat up again now. Uh, I mean, we we were on tour in March. We were actually in New York when it was the 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 hot seat, as it were, and the tour got canceled oh, wow. or postponed or however you want to, whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we came home and then since then I've been, you know, I've been working in my garden a lot. I've built a chicken coop. I just got, I guess what you guys call a caravan, but we call a camper. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I'm fixing that up. So that's my, my new uh, quarantine project. I've been growing a really massive beard. Yeah, I've seen on your social media. Yeah, it's quite impressive. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been able to go to a barber since you know middle of February. So it's just I'm just like fuck it. Let's just see what happens. Let's you know like, uh, let's let's get go go for the you know. I haven't had long hair since high school, so I'm just like oh, let's right. just see what happens. <laughs> All barbers uh, have just just opened again now, so. The uh, yeah, the the UK male nation is now kind of becoming groomed again. So oh, nice. we're in a good place. <laughs> uh, well, we have our barber shops are open, okay, uh, by kind of appointment only. Yeah, and yeah. but everyone, it's like a, we made an appointment for my son to go see someone, and it's like, oh yeah, it's a six week waiting list. Wow, because <laughs> everybody's nobody's had a haircut for four months. Yeah. So I've been doing that, doing a lot of cooking, and then hanging out with my my family and my wife, my wife and my kids, who comprise my family. And mm-hmm. then I've been doing a bunch of like live streams and stuff, and trying to. I had actually wanted to get more into doing uh, stuff online and being less dependent on touring for revenue. Yeah. And so basically, all the things that I was already kind of in intending to do uh i just kind of had to do it sooner oh i see and, okay you know like i i always wanted to start a patreon i'd always wanted to i had actually done uh ticketed live streams before through a site called stage it i did it a couple of yeah. times yeah yeah and then i already had a Bandcamp page set up and so i found that like a an art guy uh, a graphic designer who kind of hit me up randomly on Facebook and was like, if you ever need any work done, and I'm like, well, actually I do. Can you, <laughs> can you build me a website? Can you, you know, design this and that and the other? And it's just like, it's nice. Cause it can be like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Where's the band thing. Can you make artwork for that? And he's like, yep. Mm. And it works quick. So, uh, yeah, I just, that's, that's what I've been doing. And then taking lots of walks. Nice. So, I mean, is that kind of filling, filling the void for you of touring at the moment? I mean, did you have quite a lot booked in over the, like, you know, obviously it stopped abruptly in March, but were you quite, quite heavily well, uh, booked we, up for a while? Well, we, we were out with Dashboard Confessional and we were, we were going to go out for five weeks, which is really long. It's like twice as long as we're really comfortable being out, but okay. it was a high exposure tour with our friends and it was, a, uh, it paid really well. So right. we were like, all right, we're at the end of our record cycle. Let's do this big support tour, and then we'll take some time off. And then we were supposed to come to the UK and play a couple of shows with Jimmy Eat World, but that was going to be more of like a 
yeah. like a weekender kind of trip. But then for the most right. part, we were we were winding down okay. for this this year pr- pretty much exclusively, other than potentially like the band turns 25 this October. Wow. Wow. And so yeah. we were like, we should do something for that. And we still might. It just obviously will look very different then. Do, do you think the, like the industry will change kind of longer term? Obviously, I, I guess everyone's waiting for, for the doors to open to live shows again and to, to get people into venues. And, you know, I mean, we're seeing it over here, at gigs and, you know, shows and festivals and tours are being booked kind of well into next year. Do you, but do you think there'll be a kind of, I guess, an overall shift in terms of uh, music and um, you know that kind of that that I guess that that weight between kind of the digital side and the the live the live kind of music side or do you think? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, an interesting. I mean, it's, well, okay, so I don't know that live music is ever going to go back to quote unquote normal the way that right that yeah. we. You know, I don't know what that means necessarily. You know what I mean? But like, as it stands right now, like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm an immunocompromised person. I'm diabetic. And so I don't feel comfortable going to play a pub Mm -hmm. with like 200 people in it who are crammed in there, which is what I, which is the best kind of show to play. And then like having everybody like on top of each other and sweating and breathing on each other and then people wanting to shake hands and take pictures and, and that kind of stuff like that that sounds like a like a really Some uns- health anxiety right there. yeah it, it yeah, feels really, yeah, absolutely. really unsafe and yeah. uh and you know i i don't know like i've always kind of said like the, like those kind of shows though they're really really fun to play they're kind of a nightmare as far as because like they're, they're not very comfortable you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if you if you even do have a green room it's usually like a closet you know and it's just like uh, I don't know. It's it's like the best show to to watch and the the best show to like feed off the energy of the audience. But then the the whole rest of the time, it's kind of kind of a pain. But um, yeah. So I don't know exactly. Like I honestly, I don't see. I see live music at the club level being like the last thing to come back. Yeah. Right. They're one of the last yeah. things to come back. Like I think that like the outdoor shows and stuff probably a bit more in reach at the moment. The big. I mean, if if everyone can stay apart, but then it's just like, I mean, is that any better than watching a show online? You know what I mean? Like, if you're just going to be, right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not your like typical concert goer or festival goer either. Cause I'm, I'm, I really am more of a homebody just cause I've toured so much. Like, I don't want to go to a festival. I don't want to go to, I rarely want to go to a club. It's just like, it's like going to work, you know? Like it's, <laughs> right, right. I'm not the best you know, barometer for that, but I, I do, um, I do think it'll change. I think if people, uh, and I think that my generation and older are worse at taking advantage of the tools on the internet just because we didn't grow up with it. But I think a lot of younger bands are more adept at it. Like, uh, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying, it's, it's way easier for me as a solo artist, like as an acoustic singer songwriter to be more nimble and to be able to like switch gears and like do things online forget up kids it's like we need to have a space and we need to have like production and we need to have a way to Mm. rehearse and have it be safe and have multiple cameras and microphones and 
you know, and, and that's totally doable. A lot of people have done it, but it's uh, just much more of a production. And right now, uh, we're in the process of uh, Rob, our bass player, lived in Massachusetts, and he and his wife decided to move back to Kansas mm-hmm. with their kids. And so he's in the process of moving, and then we're like, all right, well, then we need, we're all here now, so let's, you know, buy a building or something and like turn <laughs> right. it into a, turn it into like a rehearsal space where we can film things too and you know and so we'll just we'll see what happens with that but it's just it's a much slower animal to mm. to move through the this forest than it is for me just like one guy with an acoustic guitar you know what i mean yeah so i guess let's maybe go back to a bit at the start if that's all right with you um so obviously you were you're born and bred in kansas so right this is Nick talking now. Yeah, it is. yeah, that's and you're, Nick. Yeah, you're the one in the north, right? Yeah. Can, okay, I can I can hear it in your accent. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so born and bred in Kansas, right? Uh, kind of. What Wait, can we're... I tell? Can I tell you what a story? <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, so please I, do. Please do. Uh, we were in on tour in the UK, and I went to um, just like a Marks and Spencer to like the the clothing shop to just yeah. buy some some socks, and. Uh, I ended up buying one of those caps that you see like old men in, in pubs wearing. And, and here yeah. it's like newsy caps or whatever. Yeah, like a flat cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our bus driver said I look like a Geordie. So for, <laughs> for the longest time, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> and now I'm really? just like, oh, okay. Now I know what it means. <laughs> you get Geordies up here with uh, whippets and their flat caps and the greyhound tracks and what have you. So there you go. It's just a, it's an interesting, I think it's a, fun, it's a funny word, charity, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just kind of go back to the start, I guess, really, in terms of your upbringing and kind of your first introduction into music, kind of what, I mean, at what point kind of in your life, what was your upbringing like that kind of, kind of spurred you into uh, music right, um, right at the start, really, I guess. Well, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City is a city that is both in Kansas and Missouri. So Okay. It's like a it's it's not two cities, it's one city but with inside of two different states, which I don't know any really any other cities that do that. Um and so I grew up on the Missouri side and I went to Catholic school for twelve years and okay. at some point in high school not in high school, in like middle school, I got really into like hair metal, like Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, that kind of stuff, <laughs> and I that's that's when I first got into music, and I you know like when you first get into music, and I was just rabid about it. So I had like subscriptions to metal magazines and stuff, and I would like read up on everything. And to this day, like if if there's ever like I am a a wealth of like late eighties, early nineties hair metal trivia. Of, uh, <laughs> Okay. Like that, like that. Brian Baker from Bad Religion and Minor Threat was once in a hair metal band called Junkyard. So, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, look it up. But so from so from like, you know, getting into metal, and that leads me to Metallica, and then Metallica because they covered a Misfits song led me to the Misfits, and then from the Misfits, it's kind of like, oh, what's what's this stuff? And then, you know, you start listening to like Bad Religion and and other punk rock, The Descendants, other punk rock bands, and then like. For me, the 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 pinnacle was when I discovered Fugazi, and I was just like, right. my world exploded, and I was just like, oh, okay. And all, this whole time, I had started like 
playing drums and, and, you know, learning how to play guitar. And I started playing in bands when I was 15. Played yeah. my first show when I was 15. Okay. So, what, what, what was your first band like? It was called Take a Joke. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, just a bad teenage High punk school band. band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah We've been that. <laughs> the singer, this guy Joel that I'm still friends with, uh, he was like a hippie. Like everybody else in the band was like a punk. And he was a hippie, and he would like sing and play a flute. And we're like, "Come on, don't play a flute!" <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work then. No, it petered out. <laughs> so you picked up a guitar pr- pretty early on, what? And then it, I guess that that spurred spurred out of that high school band. What point did the ghetto kids start to kind of kind of so... start to form? Jim and the Popes were in a band that they so you know the Popes have known each other their whole lives and they've known Jim yeah. since they've known Jim since kindergarten. Okay, and uh, they were in a band in high school called Kingpin that was kind of a very slint ish, like very like mathy, quiet loud, quiet loud noise rock kind of band. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was in another band at the same time that was called Secular Theme that was a full on like noise rock. Uh, job and we would play shows together we went to the same there was an all ages club in town and a coffee shop that did shows and so we just kind of got to know each other that way and then at one point when when both those bands broke up Jim and I were in a, a pop like a proper pop punk band together like a like lookout records right okay era yeah. pop punk band called Secret Decoder Ring, which I still think is a good name for a, a pop punk band. Secret Decoder Ring, it's not bad. And then uh, front when when that band dissolved, we just started playing with Rob and this guy Trevor on drums, and it was just kind of like we wanted to do something that was more. I mean, not something that was still like pseudo heavy and melodic, but not so blatantly. One, two, three, four. You know, like that kind of like. Right, right. And then, like, we were listening to a lot of, like, Super Chunk and, and Vitreous Humor, this band from here that's kind of an indie rock band. And uh, and then, like, uh, the guys in this band, Boys Life from Kansas City, who introduced us to Jimmy Eat World. And then it was kind of like, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Real quick side note did anyone listen to um, the Jimmy Eat World guys' new podcast he put out today? Yeah, it. Uh, it's all about songwriting. Shout out to Mark Hoppus. It was pretty cool. I thought. I actually, he and I recorded one, and I guess the oh, audio. Oh, right. okay, okay. I guess the audio was bad, so we needed to record it again. And I, oh, okay. I actually, that reminds me. I need to, I need to text him back. Right. Okay. Well, we'll certainly be looking out for that episode when, when, when you guys get around to doing it again. So I guess the the Get Up Kids kind of really started to take off from Four Minute Mile, right? You obviously did did some demos and EPs and stuff, but. It was pretty kind of quick, um, kind of on a quick trajectory, I guess, for the Get Up Kids from Four Minute Mile, right? You got some some pretty um, kind of heavy interest early on, uh, right? Or was it? Did it feel slow to you? Or that's something that people tell me, but that's not my perception of it. Okay, uh, all right. I mean, it's quick in the sense of like it didn't take us ten years to draw a crowd, but like yeah. We put out our own 7-inch ourselves, 
and sent that out. And then that got us some like regional gigs in that kind of scene. And then we ended up putting out an EP on Doghouse and that got yeah widely distributed. And so we booked our first tour on that EP with the the album Four Minute Mile coming out uh, after or while we were on that tour, I think. Like it had, it wasn't even out when we first started touring. And uh, basically, you know, we were playing. We were lucky because of the way this the scene was structured that there was kind of a built in audience. If it's like, listen, if you like this band, listen if you right. like this band, and but we were playing to like twenty to fifty people. And then we, our first tour was with Braid too, and they they had though they weren't huge, they had toured before, and so they mm-hmm. and it was kind of like okay, so twenty people came the first time, and then we came back, you know, four months later, and fifty people came, and we came back. So like we were just constantly working. So and it, it felt like a very reasonable like speed of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't ever feel like you know sudden. You know what I mean? Got you. Mainly because we were just constantly working. So, so kind of. When did the kind of the major label interest start to come along? Obviously, that wasn't that was too far around the corner. We had always intended to be on a major label. We actually sent our first seven inch out to major labels and got rejected by a bunch. And then when four, we started drawing a crowd with four minute mile, like four minute miles, not like a major label sounding record, you mm. know? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, there was a buzz about us in this like, you know, kind of new underground. And so, you know, they, start, they they started sniffing around and we were really open to it. That's the other thing too, is that like a lot of bands in our scene were kind of like, no, you know, like, and we were just like, oh yeah, we have every intention of, <laughs> right, of, right. of you know, you know, being on like some of our favorite bands are on major. We don't give a shit. It's all business. And uh, <clears throat> honestly, we could just never make it work because like either people wanted us to like re-record songs, which we didn't want to do. It was like, or they wanted us to work with, you know, uh, producers or people that we didn't want to work with okay. or they they thought we were a, a baby band and they would, wouldn't give us very much money. And it was kind of like, I know how much money you have. Like, mm. you're ama- the, what's the point of signing to a major label if you're just going to get an indie label's budget, budget and distribution? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm giving up so much more control. Of course. The amount and of money so- they must have had in, at, at that time as well. In that yeah, year. I mean, it was at, that was at the height of the kind of, like, uh, bidding wars. And stuff like right. that, where you're, you're hearing about bands who got like, you know, millions of dollars because there were so many labels that wanted to sign them. And yeah, meanwhile we were getting like, you know, an offer for three thousand dollars to make a record, and I'm like, that's less than we made our first record for. Oh you wow! Know, like, yeah. So it just, and then at the same time we had started working with Rich at Hard Eight, who's our manager, and he owned Vagrant. He was one of the owners of Vagrant, and they. Right. They wanted to grow and expand, and they were basically, and we were just like, and we hated Doghouse. We hated being on Doghouse, <laughs> right? And uh, which I, I'm not supposed to talk about. But um, right. I was going to ask you a question about that, but we can. Leave you, you, you can. You, I can't yeah, stop you from asking I mean, me a question. I mean, what? What? Yeah. What? I guess what happened there? Like, why? 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 Why did you hate it? <laughs> I guess um, that's the question. 
we didn't feel like we were taken care of, okay. I guess. Uh, trying to be like diplomatic about it because <clears throat> this is this is this has bitten me in the ass before. But we we it wasn't a, it wasn't a good match okay. as a, as a business. I mean, a label and a band is a business partnership, and when you don't have the same understanding of the boundaries of that relationship, then it leads to conflict. So, and also we were, you know, we were young. It's just, whatever, it is what it is. But we we were just like, we don't want to, we don't want to be here. And we, we had a second record on our contract. And so Vagrant was like, look, we'll buy out your contract. Okay, cool. And we'll give you money to make a, a, a good record. Uh, and you can just be here for, you know, one record. We'll give you a really artist-friendly deal, and you know, we'll give you this really good deal if you'll take a chance on our record label. And so we did it with every intention of again using it as a springboard to sign to a major label, right? Right. And uh, and it just kind of like then something to write home about did so well and they worked so hard to to make that record successful and we worked so hard to make that record successful that we're just like well fuck it we're never going to get a better record deal than we have with these guys because we're like basically own 50 percent of everything so yeah uh let's just stick around just i guess the right ethos for you as a band and I guess they've got. I guess a lot of bands on that roster have got very long-standing relationships with them for a reason. I guess really. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I have very few complaints about Vagrant. Okay. I can't say I have no no. There's no business relationship you're going to be in where you have absolutely right. no complaints. Right. Right. So, I, I mean, I guess tours as well around that time were really starting to kind of build momentum and you were doing bigger bigger tours nationwide, starting to get into Europe around that time as well. Well, we went to, we went to Europe the first time uh, in 98 on our, yeah. like right yeah. after 4 Minute Mile came out. We yeah. came over yeah. with, with Braid for six fucking weeks. It was so long. <laughs> did you do the UK on that run? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah I, I remember... I mean, I wasn't at that show, but like I remember you, like the buzz around you guys early on. You know, you were. Uh, you well, know, I, I I have a lot of vivid memories from that tour in particular, but one of yeah. the, the the most vivid ones is that we had to sneak into the UK because we didn't have work permits. Oh wow! And yeah. so basically, we got on the ferry in France, and our English van driver he drove the gear off the boat, and then we just had to pretend we were tourists. And, you know, here's my passport. And like, oh, I'm here on holiday. That's how you guys say it, right? And, uh, you know, just trying to be like dumb American dipshits. And yeah, just, but, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes. That's fine. Was was that your first time in the UK? Like, had you been before personally? Uh, Yeah, that was my first time. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And we played, yeah, we got to go kind of, not a ton in it. Like, we played London and Manchester and... We got up to to, to Glasgow and uh, I don't remember where else, but okay. Most of that tour was in Germany because that's where like the scene was the strongest. Yeah, so, and they have and they have they have money. 
Right. <laughs> okay. So was there, a, was there a moment, like, obviously things... Obviously, I, I, well, you say it probably didn't feel like it to you, but over a short period of time, quite, um, quite an aggressive kind of rise. Was there a moment for you guys where you were like, Shit, this is this is a big deal now, or was it just kind of too organic and progressive that you didn't really notice it? I mean, my perspective was that the the growth was really uh, at a rate that I was comfortable with. The uh-huh. times that I've like, I remember on our very first tour because our plan was to just go on tour that summer and then go back to school, and I yeah. remember driving. <laughs> I remember driving like in Rhode Island and just being like, I think we could probably do this. Yeah. Like at least yeah. like school will always be there. You know? Like I don't know that we What what would you have what we would you have been going to school for? Like uh Oh, it wasn't really me. I had already, I had already dropped out of college by that point. Oh okay. I'm I'm not I'm not meant for, for schooling. Right. I don't know what I would have done, but gone back to work at the library. Uh, but yeah so i I remember that like really really early on um there was a moment uh like around maybe 2001 2002 where i was noticing that our fan base was getting younger and okay yeah or there was um, a, a, a younger contingent that was coming and i didn't relate to them so much you know what i mean like i i was where, where did that come from then? I mean, was, we, did you cite that to anything? Or I think just the the popularity of the band, or the, uh-huh. you know, I mean, bands like Blink and Newfound Newfound were just getting huge around that time, and they would often, you know, reference Get Up Kids, and so I think you're probably drawing a lot of that fan base, probably then, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, sure, but it just it's kind of like when I'm 22. 23 and like have started a family and then yeah kind of burn out and then like i meet like a 15 year old i'm kind of like i don't fucking get you at all (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad that you're here you know i appreciate that you're here but it used to be like we were playing to our peers you know what i mean like it was just kind of like yeah sure yeah we're we're 21 we're playing to like people in a college town and they're they're all 21 and yeah so, but I, I that, that wasn't really like a it was wasn't really a necessarily a, a like really bad thing. It was just kind of a like it's just something I noticed at one point. But then honestly, uh, yeah, it never really felt that weird to me. Cool. So I, I guess you talk about you know starting a family. Um, you know, I, were you still like really kind of heavily touring at that time, and it was just mm-hmm. just a time to just I guess step away and. Kind of move. Well, no. I mean, my logic at the time was that, like, now I need to work harder because we have more expenses yeah. having a family. Yeah. And, but I mean, I left for the On a Wire tour, I think, three weeks after my daughter was born. Oh, okay. And which, was she your first? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you make mistakes. That, that's def- that was definitely a mistake. You know, I should have been like, I need a couple months off. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd never, I'd never had a kid before. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, yeah, you have sure. a kid and then you just, you can, it'll be fine. But <clears throat> it wasn't, it sucked. And is that where the kind of the initial hiatus start of the get up kids? 
kind of um, where you have this kind of step away and I mean there was definitely a, that's so you're talking about on a wire tourist 2002 yeah. and I quit the band in 2004 uh so I think me being burnt out Just and then also up. also being like I honestly everything about the band breaking up could have been handled with like taking a two-year break. You know what right. I mean? Right, okay. And yeah. then also to like reassess. But I mean, we were 23, you know? Like it was just like we didn't know how to do that. Of course. And we, and then to also like reassess like our touring lifestyle because it's just like we were doing 200 shows a year. And wow. it's like we don't, okay. we, don't need to, we don't need to do that. And, uh, yeah. and But the, I was the only one with a family at the time. Like other people, other people were married, which, okay. you know, having a girlfriend versus having a wife, as far as like distance goes, isn't that much different. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like having a kid, right, it's yeah. like, you know, you're putting so much, so much more weight on your, on your partner to take care of the kid and like, you know. But yeah, I guess then there's the, but like you say, there's that financial aspect of being able to provide as well. Like, you know, you've got to find that balance. But I think you? there's a, yeah, I think there's a balance to it. And I... And it's kind of like when everyone else's attitude is like, we need to go 100%, like mm. go go hard or go home. And I'm like, or we could work smarter and not harder and, and still make money, you know, like, and yeah. we just, and we had been going full bore for, you know, almost 10 years at that time. And I was just like, I need a break. And they, I mean, we were in a hotel room in Melbourne, Australia. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I need a break. And they're like, well, we either do this 100% or we don't do it at all. Okay. And I said, well, then I guess we don't do it at all. You know? And right, that that. right. So. And was the, did that, I guess, cause a bit of friction going into the next few years? And was it, I mean, obviously, you're in a better place now and things turned around. But, I mean, did that, was was there a bit of a period where where things were, were a bit, well, I guess, a bit of friction between you guys? We finished out that tour and I felt relieved and then we had already committed to doing this other like really long tour that was also opening for dashboard confessional oh was that was that the honda civic one yeah and so basically we just we just hated each or they hated me and i didn't like them right and uh we just kind of drank our way through it and it was to the point of where like even our booking agent and our manager were like <clears throat> that show sucked. I was like, what do you mean it sucked? Wow. We played the songs fine. And they're like, you yeah. have no, like, <laughs> yeah. and so that was the, the time that I kind of realized that like, this isn't good. Anymore. I don't know. I don't know if other people can fake authenticity, but we absolutely can't. And right. it, or, or, or fake, uh, what's this? Is authenticity the right word? I don't know. But like, we, we need to be in an environment where we're excited to be playing. Otherwise it's just, you know, yeah. It just it just a, a turd. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so what what was it? Was it just like there was just no energy, no kind of I don't know chemistry no, but, between I don't, all you guys. Or I like, mean, there certainly wasn't. I mean, I think we played fine. I just, right. I think yeah. it was like like cold. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Okay. Part of the reason our shows are fun is because, as led by Jim, who is just all about having a good time and and yeah, you know having that like 
adoration from the fans and stuff like that. We're, we're all just kind of like, all right, we're just going to go along for whatever the hell he's doing. And like, uh, and just have fun and like make fun of each other and jump around and, right. uh, you know, it, it's, I don't, it's hard to explain. There's a, there's a, a sort of a telepathy that, that we have between yeah. the four of us. That's just kind of like, okay, I know what you're going to do. Like, and, and he's just always so on board to like, you know, party de- part like make it everything a party, okay. and mm-hmm. so you know we just feed off of that energy, and then we feed off the energy of the crowd too. Yeah. So it's like no matter even if we're having like a terrible day, and it's just like all right, you guys are all right. I feel better. <laughs> so so did the did, I mean did the new Amsterdam's thing come with like a, a bit of a different um, approach in terms of kind of. I don't know, plugging that gap between the craziness of the ghetto kids and that, that mad touring just to kind of, I don't know, was that your out, outlet between, between, between I mean, that, it's, a, it's a combination of a couple of different things. One is that I was just really bored in that when we weren't on tour, I would go live with my then girlfriend, now wife in Boston where she was going to school right. and, and she would have classes all day. So I was just by myself like all the time. And I, and I had also started getting really into like singer songwriters, like Steve Earle and Towns Van Zant and stuff. Oh, like that. nice, nice. And I was really kind of becoming disillusioned with the sort of like the way the quote unquote scene in the punk music industry was going because it was kind of the the rise of the kind of like Warp Tour MTV sort of era, you know, in like yeah. the late '90s, early 2000s. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I think I, I think I would rather just be kind of quiet. And then like, and then I also had this thing of like, I need to do something by myself. Like I need to like prove to myself that I can make a record without, you know, <clears throat> that I can, you know, create it from whole cloth. And um, and so that's you know, I had never had any intention of it being like a real band. It right. was just kind of like like a, a fun studio project. But it's interesting because like. I didn't know that, like, because the next Get Up Kids record kind of is in a similar vein. It's very acoustic driven. And, of course, yeah. And I didn't know that's what we were going to do because <laughs> we hadn't started writing that record yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you get to things where it's just like, like songs like Overdue, I had written that fully intentioning for that to be a New Amsterdam song. Oh, okay. Right, it's just okay. Like, but it was just like, wow, this is actually a really good song. And, more people will hear it if I make like I've had that conversation before of just like right okay yeah when people ask me like how do you decide what song to go where and it's you know it's very rarely but there are sometimes I'm just like I think this is really strong and I'd like more like it'll reach a bigger audience if it's on a Get Up Kids record than if it's on a solo record you know what yeah. I mean yeah 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 of course when On a Wire came out obviously it was kind of like it was a bit of a mixed reception from the fan base. Well, that's how I remember it, anyway. I mean, is that something you noticed at the time? And oh yeah. How did you? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I would say it split the fan base down the middle. Right. Yeah. And then it got terrible reviews, except for Rolling Stone, who loved it. Right. Okay. And Not... so I'll I'll take that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 Fuck alternative press. Like I just, yeah, you know like I was just gonna <laughs> say. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly if you were getting disillusioned with the whole warp tour thing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of the publication you'd rather have praise from. You know, it was the first time that we 
had tried something and it and it didn't work out a hundred percent. I wouldn't say okay. that it fa- yeah. I wouldn't say that it failed, but it's just like it. W- w- from when we started the band, it was all kind of like you know up 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 up. But it was like again, like I say, at a at a pace I was comfortable with, and this yeah. is when we were like at our biggest point. Is yeah. like this is the album after our biggest record, and we're kind of mm-hmm. like going come on this journey with us, <laughs> you know, like we're going to try something different. Right. Right. Uh, Cause right. we, and it's just like, make more something at home about it. And I'm like, no, we already did that. <laughs> I feel like I've been through all the eras and I still, I, I still love that record to be honest with you. And if even now listening back on a wire is some, well, some of the tracks on there, it's just, I guess probably well, my, fit more my, for me now than they did back then, you know? Yeah. Well, I was probably older than you. And now that you're older, you understand. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you at that point then? I would have been 23, okay. 24. How I old remember. are you now? 43. Okay. okay. Wait, that, was that 20 years ago? Maybe <laughs> it was like 22. <laughs> I mean, anyway, we're, we're well into our kind of mid-late 30s, so we're not too far behind you. No. I've no. I found that, that that five-year gap is a huge <laughs> difference. In that um, era, yeah, I guess, yeah. Especially when you're young, uh, the I the way my kind of stock line for on a wire is even though I don't really think it sounds very good, uh, is that like I don't love that I don't love that record front to back, mm. but I think that the songs on that record that are good are some of the best stuff we've ever done. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think Hannah Hold On is one of the best songs we've ever done. Okay, and okay. like. It's a testament too that people yell out Campfire Kansas every fucking where we go, including at my solo shows, and I don't sing that song. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember that for next time. (laughs) I mean, I should should just learn it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, I mean, I guess I did want to ask you kind of what is your kind of proudest moment, like in your career i guess as a whole like is there a moment that stands out or is there a song that stands out or a record that you know i guess if if anyone now who didn't really know anything about you you know if you kind of had to say you know something that 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 was kind of part of your career what i guess what would be your thing your as thing or your like, things to call out as far as like albums or songs anything yeah i guess really like Albums, songs, uh, tours, you know, I mean, what would you, what would you shout about, like, in your eulogy, I guess? <laughs> uh, I mean, with Get Up Kids, I'm really proud, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with any of it, and I don't dislike something right home about, but I'm fucking sick of it, because we play those songs <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I get why people like it, but I'm just kind of like, God, like, Play holiday on your live streams like no. I'm, <laughs> I'm in control here. And uh the so I mean I, I think that 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 particular re- something at home about is not like what I would point to as like our best work. I actually would say that like Guilt Show and our newest record Problems which is one of my favorite things that we've ever done just because I think it's a I mean, Guild Show is really great because I think it's like a really strong record. I think the the songwriting yeah. is good. I think that it sounds good. I think there's interesting things on it that a lot of other bands don't do. I think there's some cool grooves on it. I think it's when the Popes finally like 
kind of came into their own as far as like actually being a rhythm section as opposed <laughs> right? to a, a punk band. And, yeah, yeah. you know, he's not in the band anymore, but when we did On a Wire, James was really like handcuffed by our producer who didn't understand, he didn't seem to like keyboards at all. Uh, and right. so yeah, yeah. on on Guild Show, we're just like, go nuts, dude. Like, you know, you're you're an amazing talent. Like, you should, um, shouldn't be kept in a box. And mm-hmm. I think the lyrics that I wrote on that record are really strong. And this is like, as a whole, and so I, I, I have said that like, that's my, fi- Guild Show's my favorite Get Up Kids record until we put out the new one. And then, okay. I think Problems is my favorite. And I don't know if that's just because it's new or because it represents a whole lot of things to me. Like it represents yeah. kind of a uh, a bit of a rebirth and uh, like a, a maturity that's sort of like, I mean, the, the, the log line going into that record was like, I want to make the record that the guys that made something to write home about would make if they had 20 years more ex- life experience. I get that listening to it, yeah. I I, I think that we accomplished that. I, I mean, I don't know if everybody agrees with me. And then as far as like um, the last new Amsterdam's record that we ever did was called At the Foot of My Rival. And it's uh, honestly, I, I've, that's one of my favorite things that I've, I've, that's one of the proudest things that I've ever been a part of, especially since like I didn't, I mean, I wrote all those songs, but I didn't like, uh, you know, I obviously didn't play all the instruments on it or do the arrangements on it and stuff, but I was kind of the sole person steering the ship on that. Yeah. And so yeah, I yeah. feel really, really proud of that. Um, I really love the last, the, the Radar State record that we put out last year. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that, to be honest. I, I mean, I really liked it when it came out. And then, like, just before we were going on with you, I just, I was just, I just suddenly remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, right, that's That's a, that's a fun thing. We just got together, the four of us, the other day to, like, to like, let's make another, let's, like, what are we going to do with this thing? Because, like, we're not going anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of any, what else is, like, I don't know. It's a handful of, of records. I guess a solo record is this record Mayday that I, I it's my second solo record. Right. It's it's about me wanting to. The whole record's about me wanting to quit being a musician, and I put it out myself independently. I did a Kickstarter to to do it, and so that is in its truest sense like all me. Yeah, I love um, "Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down," and um, I played I played that track today and it's on our social media so you should go and uh, oh okay you should, go, you should go and listen to it and leave a comment <laughs> i love that track yeah that's one of my favorites it's something my mom used to say to yeah. me when i was a kid <laughs> it's a, it's especially it's especially poignant right now yeah yeah i think so definitely i mean as far as like and if you're going to talk about like any other like like milestones in my career like going to Europe for the first a lot of it's like the first time thing right right going to Europe for the first time we were the first people that we knew that got to Japan uh oh well, okay you know what i mean like we were the yeah. first band that we knew that got to australia uh you know uh we the biggest show so and two, on the On a Wire tour, we we sold out Roseland in New York City, which is like 3,200 people. And our booking mm-hmm. agent was like, I don't know of any other band that could do this that isn't on the radio. 
Right. And I was like, right. okay, that's that's, that's cool. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, so I live in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, we did. So the, there's this place called the Granada Theater where we did a live record, and it's on Massachusetts Street. And so they were doing this festival. They were calling live on mass where they're setting up a big stage on the street and having a free yeah. show and they were like okay we're gonna do this you're gonna you guys are gonna be the headliners and it's gonna be a free show and we're like okay we're gonna do it and then we're like oh god i hope 500 people show you know like i hope a thousand people show up right it's like yeah. outdoor yeah. and like 6500 people showed up and it was like all of town and all of my friends that are just like townies that don't know my music at all they yeah, don't yeah, like, yeah. i don't i don't like walk around wearing get up kid shirts or anything you know like i'm very much yeah, like I, yeah. you know I, <laughs> and they're just like oh that's what you do <laughs> i was like yeah <laughs> so there's there's pictures that's of that show cool. on social media it's it's a huge crowd it looks like a like a festival well, but like you say i mean you like you say you were really kind of breaking down some barriers there and uh, i mean we've had guests on this show and you know like we've asked you, we've you know we, we've asked them where their influence come came from, uh, you know, early on, and get the Get Up Kids have co- come come in that conversation quite a few times. So we had uh, what Kevin Truck Truck Trucker Miller from Quiet Drive last last week, kind of mm. citing you guys as the kind of pioneers of yeah. like that that genre early on. I mean, how does that? Like, do you do you get that? And do you, I, I guess how how does <laughs> that must be pretty 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 cool right uh it's 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 a great compliment i'm i'm honored you know um i can't like think about it too much because that would fries your brain <laughs> yeah you know like it, it it comes up from time to time uh but i mean there we've just <laughs> i don't know we've just we've we've just always done what we wanted to do yeah you know what yeah. i mean and I don't know. I don't know if that. It's it's really it's it's very. Uh, it, it, yes, it's a it's a huge humbling. honor that people. It's yeah. Hum, yeah, it is humbling. So much so that I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, that's cool, man. So um, I, I'm what I want, did want to ask you is kind of how you, uh, obviously, you know, you've done so much work with Get Up Kids, you know, through your solo material, through New Amsterdam's and. You know, you know other projects. I mean, how do you um, do? You approach writing in exactly the same way every time. I mean, is it you know you have a subject subject matter to go in with, or do you start with? I mean, how? What's your? Well, I guess what's your process when when it comes to the the creative writing process? Um, usually, I just sit down with a guitar or at the piano and kind of dick around. I mean, what spurs that on, though? I mean, is, that, is it is it just free time, or have you got? You, do you go in with it, go into well, it with like a subject kind of in mind, or is cur- it... currently I'm not in a, like a hurry to do anything. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I'm not. So sometimes it'll be more of like a a a, a deadline kind of thing, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. and sometimes that deadline is like, okay, next year I'm gonna have. This is funny to talk about now that we can't tour, but like. Right. Like next year, I'm gonna have like eight months off with no Get Up Kids stuff. Okay, so I should make sure I get a solo record out at the beginning of that time, so I can go on tour and make money. So, come on, Prior, sit down and write a solo record. <laughs> you know, like it just right. like, um, and there's no deadline right now because we're just you know, who knows 
what's going to happen. So I haven't been writing a whole lot. I actually wrote a couple of songs to submit to like Radar State, and those. So okay, so there's a couple different ways that I would do this. One is just like if I'm, you know, at the end of the the end of the day, just like sitting on the porch, having a pint, just playing guitar and like coming up with stuff. And like if a phrase or a melody catches my ear, then I'll record it on my phone, even if it's just like a, you know, like just gibberish. Yeah. And then when it comes time to like write stuff, I'll go back to that voice memo list and like listen to stuff and, and, you know, uh, and so with radar state, I treat it like a songwriting exercise where I do like a first idea, best idea of just like, okay, I'm gonna write a song really fast. Like all those radar state songs I wrote like in 20 minutes each, you know, like it's just like, like just quick. And with get up kids, what I found worked really well with, problems is that like we would kind of write songs instrumentally like if someone had a like a riff or if ryan had a beat or or whatever and we would kind of like build a song from there and i would kind of like sing like word salad gibberish like over the parts and kind of like form a loose melody in my head and then i could kind of like even if i didn't know words and then i could kind of be like I think we should do that three times instead of two because I think vocally it'll make more sense. And they at least pretend to trust me enough that I know what I'm talking about. Whereas, like, I trust them enough to be like, they're like, well, this would actually be a lot cooler if it was like, you know, four and a half bars instead of five. And I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. I, you know, like, you're the, you're the drummer. Like, I don't know. And, uh, and so we've been, and so then we would do like a, a room demo of just this like instrumental song with my gibberish lyrics over it. And I would take it home and I would listen to it and like sit on my porch and like write lyrics to it and then, you know, build, build the song like that, which is, you know, right. it, that's not really my, that's not my favorite way to do it, but it is, uh, it's more efficient for me in the, the Get Up Kids realm. Because the thing about Get Up Kids is that like we, everyone has to put their stink on it. And so if you come in with a song that you're just like, this is my song, and they just go like, well, let's fuck it up. And I'm like, no, you can't fuck up my song. Like, <laughs> right. You get like real like protective and territorial about it. And so I don't yeah, really – I, I don't want to do that. And I I write really fast, uh, and like I've been doing these uh, like custom songs for the last couple of years, and it's made me a much – I don't know well, if it's made me a, a better lyricist, but it's made me a faster writer. Oh, do you, you know, do you mean that thing when people um, write in and you know say, oh, "I want this song for my yeah, wife"? Yeah, blah, blah. yeah called, okay, downright or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a buddy of mine did actually got you to write one for for his partner at the time a few years ago. Did <laughs> you like it? Uh, yes, he 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 spoke very well of it. Yeah, because sometimes I know people have mixed reactions to 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 some of these. Um, you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I know a friend of mine was really disappointed with the Say Anything guys one. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've only really get, I've, the only, I've gotten mostly positive feedback about it, and people Good. come up to me at shows and like, you wrote a song for our wedding, and I'm like, and you know, and they're like, yeah. oh, we loved it, and I'm like, okay, but I, I did have, you know, I, I I don't know, I don't 
have a whole lot of interaction with the people who order songs because it's kind of like filtered through the okay. uh, the platform. But yeah. they, you know, uh, people tell me that they like it. I haven't had anybody like demand their money back or anything like that. So. <laughs> I, I think that's what my friend did with with uh, the Max Bemis one, but which sounded <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, poor Max. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, man. Like, so we we've already taken up an hour of your time. So, like, you know, I think we'll, we'll uh, probably wrap this up in a second. But okay. like, is, is it cool if we just uh, fire a, just a couple of last questions your way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, what, one thing I wanted to ask, which I guess is relevant because this is a podcast. Obviously, you, you've you've kind of been doing your podcast since 2012, although. I haven't I haven't noticed any episodes for a while, but like um, just want to ask a little bit about that and like how that how how what made you want to start that and and secondly if what were your favorite episodes you did or if there's one episode that stands out. Uh, well, I I really like the ones where I got to have like long conversations with like Chris from Saves the Day or yeah. Kevin Devine, who are both really good friends of mine. And so mm-hmm. we would just talk and talk and talk on multiple occasions even. And honestly, like, you know, I mean, talking to Caraba or talking to Ant from Bayside or talking to Andy from Manchester Orchestra and just like yeah. people that I'm already, like that we would just shoot the shit with anyway. Of course. I think yeah. that's what really works in the podcast. I don't know that I'm a gifted enough interviewer to like, I mean, that's kind of why I stopped doing it. It's because I kind of, ran out of people that I like <laughs> to talk to. <laughs> Fair enough. And it was like there were the last two episodes I did were with some bands that like publicists had contacted me about interviewing. Uh, okay. And I was just and I was just like and they were like younger, kind of in that sort of I I associate it with Warp Tour. I don't know if that's if that's <laughs> you remember, real kind do you of like, who they were. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could go away, go away and look it up if we. Yeah. To, oh, I didn't. That's of... the thing. I didn't. I didn't ever put them out because I, I just found. Myself, oh, really? I found myself okay. getting fucking bored in the interview, and I was just like having to like. I can't release this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is this wow. is crap. Like, I'm not. I'm not interested in this person. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so again, like that falls into that thing of like, I can't fake sincerity sincerity is a better word than authenticity in that in that particular frame yeah fair enough so i guess looking forward now then obviously in some interesting challenging times i mean what what can we uh expect from you what can we expect from i don't know radar state from the gut up kids is there anything in the, in the pipeline that that, that we well, or people should for... know about Forget up kids hopefully in the next couple of months we'll you know get get us rob rob just moved back and we'll get a space together that we can convert into a studio oh, yeah yeah like yeah. you're saying yeah and start uh at the very least start writing again um maybe recording uh also have you got anything you've worked on that's ready to kind of take into that no, because again, like a Jim, Jim has some songs that he's sent out, okay. but like uh, I haven't because honestly, I haven't been writing a whole lot. I've been working on this this camper and, me- <laughs> and, uh, and making bike barbecues as well. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> got to keep the mind busy. Uh, so I, I, I would foresee us. I would like us to do something for the twenty fifth anniversary, whether that's like a a live stream or or. or 
concert at a drive-in movie or something. You know, like, like it's just okay. we're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're right now. There's a transition of like he's moving and getting settled in. Everyone's kids are starting school, which is a, a you kind of especially now since we don't know what school's going to look like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of just being like, okay, like let's everybody get settled. So probably in like September sometime, we'll we'll get yeah. together and and start kind of like figuring out how we're going to do it. And the same thing happens with Radar State. It just Radar State doesn't have any any resources to like Same rehearse happens, anywhere, yeah. you know. So it's a little bit trickier. But I mean, that the the, the idea is the same for both of those, you know, bands or projects or whatever. Uh, in the meantime, for me. I'm. I had intended this fall to celebrate the 20 year anniversary of the New Amsterdam's by like playing some shows, and oh, yeah. so since that obviously isn't happening, I'm I've been doing it all online. So I've been doing like full album New Amsterdam's shows, uh, and then we're doing a Where's the Band show. We're trying this kind of experiment of like me and. Chris from Saves the Day and Anthony from Bayside, like playing together, like not not like duets. We we found that like the internet is just not fast enough to be able to do duets. <laughs> you know, they pre-record like, it and like yeah, you gotta, kind of deal. yeah, because it's just kind of like if you're even like a millisecond off, it sounds like crap. Yeah, fuck it up. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna play like we're gonna do kind of this like because uh, we used to do these tours together where we would play acoustic and it's like. You play a song, and then we like shoot the shit for a little bit, and then I play a song, and then we like shoot the shit for a little bit, and then you know it's it's actually really fun. Uh, and so we're gonna try that online on Monday and see how that goes. And uh, you know I've been doing, and then I've been kind of like combing through things. I just released today on Bandcamp since it's Bandcamp Day. Uh, mm-hmm. This the first volume of like some acoustic demos of New Amsterdam stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, and uh, some covers and stuff like that. And so I'm just kind of still doing that, and you know, trying to do random, I don't know, Instagram live streams whenever the mood hits me, which is usually like happy hour. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, and then oh, and then I've got a I've got a Patreon where like I I put out uh, new uh, new songs and and cover songs all the time. Okay. So right. that's another way uh, people can listen to what I do. So I'm trying, to, and then downright is also the other thing I do, which is actually a a lot. Of, not, it's not a lot of what I do, but it's it makes up a lot of my earnings. Uh, d- cool. So requests come in for that pretty regularly, do they? They. When you look at it by year, yes, you know what I mean. But right. It's like, okay. Like week to week, like I hadn't had an order for like three weeks, and then I just got a big one yesterday, and I'm like, oh, cool, I have something to do this week. <laughs> you know. Your 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 kids are pretty supportive of your music. Is I mean, what where where do you see them going in their own kind of their own lives? Are they they got well, a certain passion, or are they bang into their music or? My deal? my daughter's eighteen and yeah, she's wow. in a, a punk band here in town called LK oh, nice. Ultra. Okay, and there's a plug been, right there. Yeah, and they've been <laughs> playing around town in Lawrence and Kansas City. And their whole goal was when she graduated high school this year, was they were going to try and go on tour this summer. And oh right, okay. What she wanted for her 18th birthday was a van, 
you know, and it's so like this is the van that you're creating right now. Well, it's, this no. is it's, no, this is just a tra- <laughs> this it's is like a, a, a pull along trailer, but I mean, it could be yeah. used for touring. <laughs> uh, but you know, obviously, that's not happening. So kind of, so she turned eighteen and graduated from high school under quarantine, and so she's like, okay, I guess I'm taking a gap year and like just gonna work and save money, mm-hmm. and you know, cool. Get ready, because they're st- they still practice. They practice in my garage. They stay six feet apart and wear masks when they practice and stuff. Okay. And, um, my son, my oldest son, Elliot, actually, uh, I've posted a couple of his songs. He he is a he's like a big gamer, and he got really into like composing scores for video games. He plays piano and and okay. also does a lot of like eight bit chip tune sounding kind of stuff. And so like kind of like. Do you guys know what that is? Like picture, picture like early super, the first Super Mario yeah, Brothers. I I know exactly what you mean. But like yeah, if you did on. that yeah. as a as a style of music, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So I actually I actually got him to do versions like that of two New Amsterdam songs. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. So he's he's really uh, he he writes music in a way that makes no sense to me. It's really cool music, but I'm just like I don't have any idea what you're. It's like all on the computer and stuff. And then my oh, yeah. youngest, my youngest son Jersey, didn't seem to be interested in music. And then since we've been under quarantine, he's been like, literally playing every, in- like learning how to play every instrument in the house, including the drums in the garage. And I was just like, he's actually getting pretty good at the drums. <laughs> he's been playing the drums every day. Jack of all right. trades. How old? How old is he? He's thirteen. Okay. But I mean, they're so my kids were already. We had been doing uh, virtual school, like homeschooling, for a couple of years now. So this, the lockdown stuff doesn't really change anything in that regard uh-huh. for, oh, for I them. See. Okay. Uh, but it's it's just interesting because now it's like so maybe it's because it's summertime. Also, it's like so much more free time. So he's, you know, fills it by playing the drums. Yeah, not a bad thing to fill your and time. A, with. No. The uke, he has a ukulele, and then a friend of mine said, "Do you want a ukulele bass?" And I was just oh, like, "What the <laughs> hell is a ukulele bass?" So now we own a ukulele. It's called a uke, a u bass, and it's just like a like picture a little bit bigger ukulele with really thick strings on it. It's really weird. <laughs> you you can't be that far off a kind of full family band. Right, we we, we, gotta, we, we gotta could be, in, uh... we could in theory do that. They have, <laughs> they've they've shown absolutely no interest in that. Right. <laughs> if anything, it's kind of like it's it's, it's not cool. <laughs> no, that's not that I'm. They don't think I'm cool or anything like or that. My career is cool. It's it's more that like like with my daughter, she's 18 and she's you know working in the world, and then people go like. Your dad's in the ghetto kids, <laughs> right. and she'll and she's just like, oh fuck, here we go again. <laughs> and like, especially because this is a small town, you know. I mean, it's not a very big city, and so everybody kind of knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone knows ghetto kids. <laughs> not everybody. No, I, I try to I try to keep it under wraps as much as possible. <laughs> Good I tell, stuff, I've been, man. L- lately, I've been telling people I'm a writer. Well, that works. <laughs> Which that is works. just, it's te- just... technically true. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess we'll let you get on and uh, enjoy your Friday afternoon. But, All right. Um, yeah, well, I'm going to fa- go go tear out more, do more demo work on my camper. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Cool. We'll look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this, Matt. It's been, it's been really cool.
Yeah, cheers, man. Thank you guys for for doing this too. I I I hope things are you guys are staying safe and healthy and uh, just about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're doing our best. Yeah. We're doing our best. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any, anywhere like that. Um, also, check us out on social media. If you, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at thewastingtimepodcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well. But um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Wait.